European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 44, Issue 34. Focus Issue, Congenital Heart Disease, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Hot Topics in Congenital Heart Disease. Tetralogy of Fallow, Ross Operation, Immunodeficiency, Cardiac Arrest, and End-Stage Heart Failure. Owing to the great advances in the care for children with congenital heart disease, or CHD, by paediatric cardiac surgeons and cardiologists, there are ever-increasing numbers of patients with CHD who reach adult life. This focus issue on CHD contains the state-of-the-art review article Common Diagnostic Errors in Adults with Congenital Heart Disease by David Selemeyer and colleagues from the University of Sydney in Australia. The authors note that at some stage during the late teenage years or soon after, children with CHD transition from paediatric cardiac care to surveillance by cardiologists who look after adults. Many such specialists, however, are more familiar with more common acquired heart problems such as coronary disease, heart failure and arrhythmia in structurally normal hearts and less familiar with CHD. For this reason, International guidelines have suggested that the care of young adults with CHD take place in designated specialist adult CHD centres. It remains very important, however, for general cardiologists to have a good understanding of many aspects of adult CHD, including common pitfalls to avoid and, importantly, when to refer to a specialist centre. To help healthcare providers across the spectrum of cardiology practice to address common themes in adult CHD, this state-of-the-art review provides a series of case vignettes to illustrate frequent diagnostic problems that the authors have seen in their tertiary-level adult CHD centres, which are sometimes encountered in general cardiology settings. These include commonly missed diagnoses or errors with diagnosis or management in these often very complex patients. Tetralogy of Fallow, or TOF, is the most common form of cyanotic CHD, accounting for 3 to 5 of 10,000 live births. In a Viewpoint article entitled Electrophysiology Testing Before Transcatheter Pulmonary Valve Replacement in Patients with Repaired Tetralogy of Fallow, Jeremy Moore and colleagues from the UCLA Medical Center in Los Angeles, California, USA indicate that operative repair of TOF is highly successful and long-term survival is now expected for most patients. An improved ability to detect and treat latent ventricular arrhythmia or VA substrates in repaired TOF with excellent freedom from recurrence has shifted the weight of evidence towards universal screening before self-expanding transcatheter pulmonary valve replacement, or PVR, in the native right ventricular outflow tract, or RVOT. The natural history of TOF ventricular arrhythmia and the well-described electrophysiology substrates that are rendered inaccessible to catheter ablation following PVR are the major drivers for this approach. The author's viewpoint is that comprehensive electrophysiological evaluation with potential catheter ablation of pathological ventricular tachycardia substrates should be routinely performed by experienced electrophysiologists 
before native RVOT transcatheter valve implantation. In a meta-analysis article entitled Pediatric Aortic Valve Replacement, a Meta-Analysis and Microsimulation Study, Maximilian Nortenboom and colleagues from the Erasmus University Medical Center in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, aim to support decision-making in children undergoing aortic valve replacement, or AVR, by providing a comprehensive overview of published outcomes after pediatric AVR and microsimulation-based age-specific estimates of outcome with different valve substitutes. A systematic review of published literature reporting clinical outcomes after pediatric AVR, mean age less than 18 years, published between the 1st of January 1990 and the 11th of August 2021, was conducted. Publications reporting outcome after pediatric ROS procedure, mechanical AVR, or MAVR, homographed AVR, or HAVR, and or bioprosthetic AVR were considered for inclusion. Early risks, less than 30 days, late event rates, greater than 30 days, and time to event data were pulled and entered into a microsimulation model. 68 studies, of which one was prospective and 67 were retrospective cohort studies, were included, encompassing a total of 5,259 patients Median follow-up, 5.9 years. Pooled early mortality for the ROS procedure MAVR and HAVR was 3.7%, 7% and 10.6% respectively and the late mortality rate was 0.5% per year, 1% per year and 1.4% per year respectively. Microsimulation-based mean life expectancy in the first 20 years was 18.9 years after ROS and 17 years after MAVR. Microsimulation-based 20-year risk of aortic valve reintervention was 42% after ROS and 17.8% after MAVR. The authors conclude that the results of pediatric AVR are currently suboptimal, with substantial mortality especially in the very young, with considerable re-intervention hazards for all valve substitutes. But the ROS procedure provides a survival benefit over MAVR. Pros and cons of substitutes should be carefully weighed during pediatric valve selection. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Yves Sudekem and colleagues from the Children's National Medical Center, Children's National Hospital in Washington, DC, USA. They note, that there is now no more doubt that the ROS procedure is the best option for AVR in the pediatric population. A strategy of primary repair followed by the ROS procedure at a later age seems to be the only option that appears superior to the primary ROS procedure because it provides a longer longevity of the autograft. There is no doubt that the results of this procedure will improve as we have realized what were the pitfalls of the technique and identify the best way to prevent them. We now have to figure out the best way to train the existing and the future generations of surgeons to the subtleties of this procedure. In a clinical research article entitled Immunodeficiency is prevalent in congenital heart disease and associated with increased risk of emergency admissions and death. 
Gerhard Paul Diller and colleagues from the Adult Congenital and Valvular Heart Disease University Hospital Münster in Münster, Germany, sought to provide population-based data on the prevalence and clinical significance of immune deficiency syndromes, or IDS, associated with CHD. Utilizing administrative German health system data, the prevalence of increased susceptibility to infection, or ISI, or confirmed IDS, was assessed in CHD patients and compared with an age-matched non-congenital control group. Furthermore, the prognostic significance of IDS was assessed using all-cause mortality and freedom from emergency hospital admission. A total of 54,449 CHD patients were included. Of these, 27% had a ISI and 5.6% had documented IDS, compared with 2.9% of the age-matched general population. During an observation period of approximately 400,000 patient years, 3,824 CHD patients died, and 31,017 patients experienced a combined event of all-cause mortality or emergency emission. On multivariable Cox proportional hazard analysis, the presence of ISI, hazard ratio or HR 2.14, P being less than 0.001, or documented IDS, HR 1.77, P equaling 0.035, emerged as independent predictors of all-cause mortality. In addition, ISI and confirmed IDS were associated with a significantly higher risk of emergency hospital admission, P equaling 0.01 for both on competing risk analysis, during follow-up. The authors conclude that limited immune competence is common in CHD patients and associated with an increased risk of morbidity and mortality. This highlights the need for structured IDS screening and collaboration with immunology specialists as immunodeficiency may be amenable to specific therapy. Furthermore, studies are required to assess whether IDS patients might benefit from intensified antibiotic shielding or tailored prophylaxis. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Anselm Ubing and Mark Philipp Hiltz from the University Hospital of Schleswig-Holstein in Kiel, Germany. The authors note that immunodeficiency may have a shared genetic underpinning with CHD. Further research on candidate genes for CHD, followed by functional genetics, may find genes that are implicated in both the modulation of immune response and cardiac morphogenesis. As immune cells are involved in the embryogenesis of the heart, alterations in immune cell function could be partly attributable to both immunodeficiency and cardiac maldevelopment. Furthermore, one can speculate that thymectomy, commonly part of neonatal heart surgery, contributes to altered immune function in patients with CHD. To answer these questions, a well-described population of CHD patients is needed, with in-depth data on the clinical history, detailed information on the techniques of operation, the anatomical and functional phenotype, and ideally access to genome sequence patients with biomaterial. Such data can only be provided by large multicenter registries and biobanks, and fortunately, 
Such registers do exist and are growing. While out-of-hospital cardiac care, or OHCA, has been extensively assessed in non-CHD patients, the risk, characteristics and outcome of OHCA in patients with CHD remain scarcely investigated. In a clinical research article entitled Outcomes of Out-of-Hospital Cardiac Arrest in Adult Congenital Heart Disease, a Danish nationwide study, Carlo Alberto Barcella and colleagues from the Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark looked into this matter. An epidemiological registry-based study was conducted. Using time-dependent Cox regression models fitted with a nested case-control design, HRs with 95% confidence intervals of OHCA of presumed cardiac cause, 2001 to 2019, associated with simple, moderate and severe CHD, were calculated. Moreover, using multiple logic regression, the authors investigated the association between pre-hospital OHCA characteristics and 30-day survival and compared 30-day survival in OHCA patients with and without CHD. Any type of CHD was found to be associated with higher rates of OHCA compared with the background population. Simple CHD HR 1.37, moderate CHD HR 1.64 and severe CHD HR 4.36. Pre-hospital cardiopulmonary resuscitation and defibrillation were both associated with improved 30-day survival in patients with CHD regardless of CHD severity. Among patients with OHCA, simple, moderate and severe CHD had a similar likelihood of 30-day survival compared with no CHD. Barcella et al. conclude that a higher risk of OHCA is found throughout the spectrum of CHD. Patients with and without CHD showed the same 30-day survival, which relies on the pre-hospital chain of survival, namely cardiopulmonary resuscitation and defibrillation. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Victor Waldman and colleagues from the Hôpital Européen Georges Pompidou in Paris, France. The authors note that an interesting observation from this study is the significant burden of associated comorbidities in adult CHD patients, in particular cardiovascular risk factors and coronary artery disease. Among CHD patients who presented sudden cardiac death, or SCD, 57% had greater than or equal to one cardiovascular risk factor versus 57% in non-CHD, and 28% had an ischemic heart disease versus 26% in non-CHD. As the CHD population ages, the importance of considering associated conditions is increasingly recognised. In the SCD context, and because coronary artery disease is the main cause of OHCA in the overall population, ischemia may be the cause of SCD in a significant proportion of patients, rather than CHD itself, or could at least be a trigger for ventricular arrhythmias in some defects, with suitable substrate and or coronary abnormalities resulting in supply-demand mismatch. While screening for and aggressively managing cardiovascular risk factors and coexisting comorbidities appears to impact outcome favourably in non-CHD populations, 
Comparable data specific to adults with CHD are still lacking and is an area needing further research to understand the relative contribution of these different factors. In a clinical research article entitled End-Stage Heart Failure in Congenitally Corrected Transposition of the Great Arteries, a multi-center study, Alexandra van Diesel and colleagues from the AMC Amsterdam in the Netherlands point out that for patients with congenitally corrected transposition of the great arteries, or CCTGA, factors associated with progression to end-stage congestive heart failure, or CHF, remain largely unclear. This multi-center, respective cohort study included adults with CCTGA seen at a CHD center. Clinical data from initial and most recent visits were obtained, the composite primary outcome was Mechanical Circulatory Support, or MCS, Heart Transplantation, or DEATH. From 558 patients, 48% female, age at first visit 36 years, median follow-up 8.7 years, the event rate of the primary outcome was 15.4 per 1,000 person years. Patients experiencing the primary outcome were older and more likely to have a history of atrial arrhythmia. The primary outcome was highest in those with both moderate stroke severe right ventricular, or RV, dysfunction and tricuspid regurgitation, or TR, and uncommon in those with mild stroke less RV dysfunction and TR, V being less than 0.001. Outcomes were not different based on anatomical complexity or history of tricuspid valve surgery or of subpulmonic obstruction. New CHF admission, or VA, were associated with the primary outcome. Individuals who underwent childhood surgery had more adverse outcomes than age and sex-matched controls. Multivariable Cox regression analysis identified older age, prior CHF admission, and severe RV dysfunction as independent predictors for the primary outcome. The authors conclude that patients with CCTGA have variable deterioration to end-stage HF or death over time, commonly between the fifth and sixth decade. Predictors include arrhythmic and CHF events and severe RV dysfunction, but not anatomy or need for tricuspid valve surgery. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Magali Ladousse from the Hôpital Européen Georges Pompidou in Paris, France. Ladousse concludes that the future prospects are to use integrated multimodal data to develop a comprehensive decision support system to automate the mapping of clinical trajectories for accurate prediction. This system would enhance risk stratification, identify patients with higher risk of progression, and guide personalized treatment approaches based on individual predicted trajectories. The issue is also complemented by one discussion forum contribution. In a commentary entitled Instrumental Variables in Silico Trial Simulation and Cutting-Edge Analysis in Cardiology With Great Power Comes Great Responsibility by Bredog Nagea-Vui and John William McCoy from the University of Glasgow School of Medicine in Ireland commenting on the recent publication Surgical or percutaneous coronary revascularization for heart failure, 
an in silico model using routinely collected health data to emulate a clinical trial. By Suraj Pratak from the University of Leicester in the United Kingdom. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.